0: This is Catch 22 Minutes. Hello, everyone. This is Stella, Head of Policy and Campaigns for Catch 22. The Independent Review of Children's Social Care, which was headed by Josh McAllister and published in May 2022, had a final report and a recommendation which included that the government should make care experience a protected characteristic and new legislation should be passed which broadens corporate parenting responsibilities across a wider set of public bodies and organizations. At CUT22, this is now one of our manifesto asks for the next general elections. Many care experienced people face discrimination, stigma and prejudice in their day-to-day lives. Public perceptions of care experience center on the idea that children are irredeemably damaged and that can lead to discrimination and assumptions being made. With me to discuss this today, And more specifically, the campaign to make care experience a protected characteristic. Terry Galloway, a campaigner for equal opportunities for people who are in or have experience of care. And Hannah McCowan, manager of the National Living Care Benchmarking Forum. I would like to start with you, Terry. And if you could tell me a bit more about yourself, um, why you campaign on this issue, what's your background and what do you do?
1: Um, yeah, so my name is Terry Galloway and I am the co-founder of Care Lever Offer. Uh, I also run a housing association providing housing and jobs programs for care leavers uh, and also an estate agency and I'm a trustee of Become and also a trustee of NIAS. Um, I started the campaign uh, in a nutshell because the care system was broken and it was a kind of promise to my sister that I made. Um, one time uh, when we'd just been, we'd just left a funeral and we're in her flat uh, and she was telling me, you know, Terry, I, I don't want to die. I don't want to be next. Um, I tried to give her some hope because at that point in time, she'd lost her children to the care system. She was heavily addicted to drugs and alcohol Um, And I tried to really give a hope that, you know what, let's use our trauma. Let's use what we've been through for the positive and make it so that it has meaning uh, and that we can change the system uh, for the better for for other people. Um, But unfortunately, she was next and she got murdered by by her boyfriend uh, in a domestic violence incident. Um, So at the time of making that promise, we didn't know what it was going to do. We didn't know what would be the catalyst or what would be the single issue, the single thing that could potentially change the care system. Uh, But now we found it, which is why I'm I'm running this campaign.
0: Thanks for sharing, Terry. This is an amazing story. And I'm I'm so glad that you are honoring your sister's memory by doing this campaign. Um, Hannah, would you like to uh, introduce yourself as well? And then I would like to ask both of you, a bit more about the rationale behind the campaign and how um and how it's been developing. So Hannah, if I could jump over to you.
2: Yeah, thanks Stella. Yeah, I'm Hannah. I manage the National Leaving Care Benchmarking Forum for Catch-22 and the forum um, is made up of 132 leaving care teams across England. So um over 85% of leaving care teams uh, across England are represented and Um, The aim of the forum is really to share good practice um, and to improve the services and support that young people receive as they leave care. And right at the heart of what we do is our Young People's um, Benchmarking Forum, which is made up of care experienced young people. And we really want to raise their voices and their priorities and shape our work around that. And this is one of the areas that that they've definitely um, spoken up about, about getting the protected characteristic for care experienced um, people. Um, And also there's wide support across across our steering group, which is made up of um, leaving care managers as well.
0: So NLCBF is a very important organisation for connecting policymakers with people with experience of care and making their voices heard. Terry, if I could start with you. Can you tell me what was the rationale behind campaigning to make care experience a protected characteristic? You've already mentioned why you started campaigning on this issue, and you have this very powerful personal story. Could you tell me a bit more about the rationale for the specific policy ask of making care experience a protected characteristic? Why is it that this specific ask would help people like yourself and your sister and the people that you campaign for?
1: I think that the biggest thing that this is going to do for terror experienced people is give them voice in places where they've never been heard before, and, um, because you know we're we're here in in this chat now, and we understand the care system, you know we're part of the care system bubble, but outside of that bubble, where all the barriers and all the discrimination is happening against care experienced people it's those people that need to be hearing our voice it's those people that when they create policy and they design services for care experienced people it's those people that need to be taking account of us and our barriers So with a protected characteristic uh, within the Equality Act 2010, it basically means that when decisions are being made or or systems are being designed, that they have to do what's known as an Equality Impact Assessment. Uh, And that Equality Impact Assessment is, is the mechanism that people outside the care system bubble understand because they've had it since 2010. They're already doing and they already have these systems in place, one of the big things that the government are trying to say is that strengthening corporate parenting is going to fix this, this problem of stigma. But it's not just a problem of stigma. In terms of direct discrimination, you know, like you're you're too smart for a care kid, or you're not going to be able to handle this job because you know you'd be off all the time because you got loads of trauma from growing up in care. That kind of stuff is direct discrimination. But when we're talking about systemic system design, we need to be heard and we need to be seen within that policy. And um, so that's really why I'm really pushing on on the protected characteristics because. Inside that policy, that's where the the system can get changed. And in terms of the the corporate parenting, that definitely, definitely goes hand in hand. And I 100% support the government in strengthening that. But we only have to look to Scotland to see that actually corporate parenting has been in Scotland since 2014. And it hasn't created the systemic change that we need. Um, The other point to make on this is that this is actually a reserved matter uh, for Westminster, so so protected characteristics um, not only affects England, it also affects Scotland and Wales. So this campaign is a is a UK wide wide campaign.
0: So basically, um, you are saying that making it a protected characteristic would force uh, the government and organisations and local government uh, to take this into account.
1: Yeah, it it will. It'll force them. It'll provide the mechanism as well, because because the, the reality is is people generally care, and it's not until they become aware of what's actually going on um, that they, you know, they'll empathize, and then we'll get a cultural shift. We'll get a change in in attitudes towards care experienced people, which will automatically reduce the stigma. But the, the 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 other big great thing about it is the fact that. The people carrying out the equality impact assessments outside of the care system bubble have other priorities. And so, so when they've got those other priorities, they're not going to be able to help themselves, but use the mitigations that they use for care experienced people for their, their ordinary. Clients and customers, so so in effect, we'll get systemic change and, and and equitable equality for all as a result, and and that'll mean that care experienced people won't have to wave this flag to say I'm care experienced to to benefit from a from a change in system uh, design. And
0: how, in what ways are care experienced people different from other people? Why should people with uh, experience of care have this distinct? Um, mechanism to help them why do they need the extra support it
1: is what it is we need equitable you know equitable access to to equality and care experienced people didn't decide they didn't decide for themselves to go into care it kind of happened for them it wasn't a choice and because of that then there is barriers out there and there's systems that really push against terror experienced people. You know, terror experienced people are 70% more likely to die um, than any, prematurely than any other group. Uh, and when you do the numbers, that's 20 years on average off our lifespan. You know, it, it's a real big, big issue. You know, we're, we're dying out there. Uh, and, and, and the problem is, is, when, when we die, you know, outside of the, the care system bubble, it's never really attributed to the trauma and, and the barriers that we face as care experienced people. You know, when, when my sister was murdered, there was not a single mention of care experience in, in all the press that came as a result. So, so when you kind of look at these real horrific headlines outside of the care system bubble, in a lot of times, it's a care experience person that's behind those headlines, you know. So we've got to stop this from... You know, we've got to stop this.
0: So what is it about care experience? And Hannah, uh, if you would like to come in here as well, what is it about care experience that makes life so much more difficult?
2: I think there's um, there's a lot of things here, Stella, and um, some can be due, the, um, due to trauma that people may have faced before they came into care or, you know, the reasons why they came into care. But also just being in the care, ex- um, care system can be quite traumatic um, in itself. We then expect... Um, young people leaving care to become independent far earlier than, than their peers, um, to become financially independent, um, after the age of 18. And even though leaving care teams, there is support up to the age of 25, um, you know, we're, we're putting young people in, in challenges that, you know, the average young person now leaves their own parents' home at the age of 27. So we're in a completely, um, different, you know, different challenges there. I think also just a lot of the, a lot of the challenges that leaving care professionals find is outside of the council, like those other um, government departments and public bodies, um, like the mental health services, like housing, um, the home office around supporting unaccompanied asylum seeking young people. They don't necessarily understand those challenges. Um, and that's where, you know, getting the protected characteristic and also. Um, getting the corporate responsibilities in place would really, would really really help. So I think, yeah, the challenges are sort of like, they're right across um, young people's lives. And obviously we see care experience, people um, doing amazing things. We work with fantastic young people in our Young People's Benchmarking Forum. Um, I think, especially at the moment with the cost of living crisis, like we've done a big piece of work um, around that. We've spoken to over 450 young people and just the impact that that's having on, on this group of young people is, is massive in terms of mental health, in terms of being able to sustain accommodation, um, being able to keep in touch with friends and family. So all of those sort of big challenges that we're all facing are impacting care experience young people even more. And Terry, do you find politicians are
0: receptive to that message? Do you find them being convinced this is a policy that it's,
1: it's worth it for them to pursue? I, I do. Um, you know, with, with the campaign so far, we've got, you know, 63 councils that have now passed the motion. Um, when you look at the numbers, that's, you know, 33% of the UK population is now living in a council area, geographical area, that, ha- that treats terror experience as if uh, it were a protected characteristic. So there's very, very much uh, an understanding there. Um, but there is still a lot of work to do because, you know, we can't, it, although it is a campaign, we have to demonstrate the impact uh, of what, you know, and really do some uh, equality impacts assessments in areas of policy that we can really demonstrate better outcomes and, and saving money. Because the reality is, is every child that that comes into care costs the state £1.2 million. Uh, and, and the problem is, is when they cost the state... That money its not necessarily the person who's delivering the service at the beginning that saves that money. So until you can see the bigger picture of, of what's, what's going on, like we did a model the other day um, for a housing association, what an equality impact assessment might look like. For a housing association, and, and the start of the process uh, is is where the housing association wants to change its design or come up with a new policy, and that policy was uh, to reduce evictions and reduce antisocial behaviour. So, as part of their system design they do an equality impact assessment at the beginning and find that care experienced people uh, are disproportionately represented in those ASB numbers and the eviction numbers so so what that then means is that this housing association who who has no corporate parenting responsibilities at the moment and also doesn't you know Basically, this house, housing association then goes off to hear the voice of care experienced people and then they find out that actually they're isolated. They find out that people are taking advantage of them because they move into properties where they're not fully furnished or they've not got curtains up and stuff like that. So people might come and offer to put curtains up and then end up moving in into the property and then selling drugs and causing antisocial behaviour. So when we model this particular Journey of a case study of a care leaver. Uh, it turns out that from the age of eighteen, um, the the cost to the state for a three year period uh, was two hundred thirty two thousand pounds. Okay, so um the the actual money for the housing association was around six thousand eight hundred pound. What they would have saved. But by doing the equality impact assessment, they realised that if they put in a mentoring scheme, plus a jobs program, plus a bit of a uh, a maintenance program for that care leaver, which would have cost ten thousand four hundred, then that the total spend would have been thirty seven thousand pound, with a net saving of one hundred ninety five thousand pound. You know, and we've got all this on a on a diagram there. Um, now. For normal voters, for you know, for for the general population out there who are who are watching their councils go bankrupt and they're, they're driving along roads with potholes, you know, where do they think that money is actually going to at the moment? It's going into the the care system, you know. So if we can fix the care system, then those voters can start having their. Potholes
0: filled in. There are so many examples in public policy about where prevention would have been so much cheaper and would have worked so much better in the long run. I, I was reading the other day how uh, basically uh, having someone uh, uh, incarcerated costs more than sending them to Eton. Yeah. Which just makes you think if only we had invested this money to begin with. Of course, there are people who, who who are violent, who should be in prison and there is nothing you can do about it. But how many people are languishing in prisons
1: because they were never given the right opportunities to begin with? One of the big things with having it as a, as a protective characteristic is the equality monitoring. Yeah. So at this moment in time, some, you know, the government are trying to make this argument that care experienced people uh, will uh, feel stigmatized if it becomes a, a protective characteristic. Yeah. Now, the Equality Act was designed to reduce stigma. Okay. So one of the big things that these, system designers, that I'm going to call them, is they don't actually know. We've asked the government how many people are on universal credit, for instance, that are care experienced, yeah? and they don't know. People who are running these services don't actually know whose care experience. When they realise that actually, disproportionately in, in some of these places, like prison, like NHS, like mental health services, for care experienced people of all ages, they're going to find that we're disproportionately represented. And once they realise that, it's about what's in it for me, you know. Everybody has their own agenda. So if you're running a service outside the care system bubble, and you realise that most of the people that you're you're serving a care experience, then then you're going to take an interest, yeah. So with a protected characteristic, you can do equality monitoring, which is not putting a tag on somebody. It's just literally asking the question confidentially and and not basically attributing what you say. To, to your file, as it were. So when you apply for a job, you'll have a separate form that says, this is confidential, it doesn't go with your paperwork, it gets taken away. And that's purely so that they can see who have those protected characteristics in their service. And once we get that, then, the, the, you know, it's going to change. If it's not measured, it's not improved. You
0: know, Terry, I'm very glad I invited you to this podcast because I, I was actually sceptical about making care experience a protected characteristic until recently because for me it sounded like one of these things that can be just a a checking exercise just one more thing just something symbolic rather than something that would bring about actual change for the quality of life of, of, of people with care experience but the way you describe it is very convincing because Yes, uh, you are quite right. Once this starts, once we start realizing the impact, and you make the connection between all the other services, then you can make a better case for why you need to improve the opportunities for people with care experience. Hannah, sorry, uh, is there anything you would like to add as well to this uh, to this point, Hannah?
2: I think like something that me and Terry have spoken about, and it comes up all the time, is just making sure where councils are adopting protected characteristic that it means something and then it gets taken forward and i know terry's doing like loads of work in this area in terms of bringing councils together to say this is how to take it forward that's what young people are saying to us is you know what what difference is it making that's what local authorities are saying to us is what difference is it making um and and that's what we need to keep keep pushing towards is saying right you've got the protected characteristic in place now in your local authority what does that mean and making sure that's carried through. Yeah, it, it, it's
1: absolutely crucial that we get impacts from this because we've been let down enough times. You know, we, we've we've been promised change enough times throughout the decades. You know, so it's absolutely crucial that impact comes from it. And and the thing that's quite inspiring to me, uh, and I'm getting, I'm buzzing thinking about it, is is that this is actually bigger. This is bigger than care experience, people. This is about equality for all. Because you know, it, to get the impact that we need and the and the impact that we deserve, we're going to have to change culture in how we approach uh, system design, and um, we're going to have to empower. Because ultimately, this is going to come down to government. This is going to come down to political will to change the system, uh, and that. But but what we have to do is give them and empower them with the information and the resources that they need to make those real crucial decisions. Because, you know, in that equality, like I've got a big diagram of of that case, that case study and that journey, uh, you know, showing all the costs, all the individual costs. And for Stacey, where it was £232,000 from 18, that included three domestic violence incidents, 17 um, um, ASB incidents, DWP, universal credit, supported accommodation, complex eviction. So we mapped it all out, yeah. But you know, for the actual housing association, the saving is very small, yeah. So therefore, it doesn't make fiscal sense for the housing association to introduce that policy. So we're only going to get a better system design if you can see clearly, visually, what's being affected by it, and then the politicians can can come together cross-government to, to kind of change and, and implement the policy that we're going to need. And, and when they do that, they're going to do it for everybody, not just care experienced people. So in a way, this is just a, an excuse to, to change and become you know become a better better society for all.
0: That's a great argument to, to close, Terry. Thank you very much for joining us, and thank you, Hannah, as well. To learn more about Catch-22's manifesto, check out the link in our show notes. If you liked this episode, please rate, follow and leave us a review. Thank
2: you.